This is To The Last Drop. I'm Liam Delcom. And I'm Brendan Nell. It's episode three, and uh, Liam, it's a, it's a big week. We've had shock, horror, total consternation. Everybody upset about 20 minutes of rugby. Uh, they basically cost the Springboks again. Yeah, it, it was one of those where you watched the, the first 20 minutes and there was a lot of frustration, um, and, and understandably so. I mean, obviously, if you follow social media, uh, people were in the moment and they were... A little bit aghast by what unfolded. But then again, I mean, the deeper you went into that game, the more you sort of uh, sort of came to terms with what, what was happening and also certainly afterwards. Um, and I think the box can walk away from that loss um, having learned uh, not just new things, but things that they kind of knew already um, that will maybe need, not maybe, it will need some intervention the closer we get to World Cup. So no reason to panic then, no reason to drop everybody and, no. and get everybody else in and, and or even withdraw from the World Cup? No, no, certainly not. I mean, if we, if we just isolate certain things, I don't, I don't even want to talk about the, the things that unfolded in the game. If you just look at selection, if you just isolate that for a, for a, for a, for a moment, uh, the fact that, again, we had this large number of uh, Japan-based players who came back and it was essentially their sort of first game in a while. Uh, nine in the 23, uh, you know, would fall into that category. Uh, it was then obviously quite clear in the Bok performance that, that dropped off. There's no question about that. Uh, and the last time we saw that, same number of players, uh, almost the same, well, just about the same players as well. Um, last year, first game of the end of year tour, they played Ireland. And again, um, you know, it just felt that the box were a little bit undercooked in that game. They were a lot better the following week against France, and of course they got better as that tour progressed. Um, so, you know, just if you isolate these things, um, you know, that's just selection. There are obviously other things we can talk about a little bit later on. But that certainly is a thing where you, you know, going forward, you would want to be careful not to repeat those mistakes, which is unlikely now going further. Uh, the closer we get to World Cup, and also obviously in World Cup, mm -hmm. those are things you want to avoid. Well, I mean, I think, I suppose that there's a lot of people probably questioning why those players, you know, why we didn't take a battle-hardened team to to New Zealand. And why, I think a lot of people were so buoyed by the win over Australia mm. that they thought we're going to probably walk in and do the same in New Zealand. And uh, I know we spoke about it last week. It's a hell of a difficult place to win. Uh, Auckland is a tough place. And let's be honest, those first 20 minutes, everything went right for the All Blacks. They played at such a pace. Mm. The, the box couldn't catch flies, never mind the ball in the mm. air. Uh, you know, and, and, and they ended up just probably their worst 20 minutes of rugby under this current coaching team since 2018. And yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of, I suppose, in the, if you want to look for positives, the one good thing is that they could have taken 50. Um, mm. There's a lot of teams that sort of have that start against the All Blacks that, mm. you know, end up, you know, getting demolished. Yeah, although not, if you look at the, the still the quality in that Bok team, you know, you look at the scoreboard and you get a bit concerned and then you look at the quality and also what was going to come from the bench and you're like, no, it won't yeah. balloon too much. But but I, I take your point. I mean, it's if well, you don't play properly uh, and given the first 20 minutes of the All Blacks had, because they were certainly up for it, um, I think what must have played a big part the way they started the game was 
uh, the fact that they haven't beaten the box in New Zealand since 2017. I think yeah. that, that certainly uh, was a factor they took into that game. And I suppose we don't actually know how much Evans, um, the loss of his dad and the emotion around that and mm. all the emotion around that and, and the rust. And you put all those together and it maybe have been a bit of a perfect storm for that 20 minutes. But, yeah, they recovered extremely well. The second mm. half when, when Dwayne and Peter Steff and them came on, Really, really looked different. Um, Malcolm came on, and and mm. I suppose there's a, there's another point that a lot of people have been making to me is why doesn't Malcolm Mark start? Mm. I think what, the one first thing I want to say about that is just that you know we we in a situation there's four games to the World Cup now. Uh, yeah, the box have got to see what yeah try different things out. Mm. Yeah, and Malcolm makes a hell of an impact from the bench, but there is a growing argument for him to start. And it's. It's an argument you can't dismiss. I do see the value of him playing a big part in the second half, especially his ability uh, to turn over ball uh, at Ruck. Um, if you have a guy like Malcolm on the field, if he operates uh, in concert with a guy like, say, Dwayne Vermeulen, uh, you may have another guy like a, a specialist, certainly, uh, like Marco van Staden, who may also be mm. on the field in the closing stages of a of a tense, a tight and a tense quarterfinal at the World Cup or semi final. Um, I would prefer those guys to be on the field then, and not necessarily mm-hmm. in the first fifteen twenty minutes. Because if you if you do a like for like comparison with the guys who are likely to be in that twenty three, I'd prefer them to be there at the death. Yeah, I, and I think another thing that we should actually mention as well: would it have really made a difference? Because I mean, if you look at the mm. way the breakdown was refed, um, we had a classic French ref um, situation where. <laughs> To be very honest, and I know people that say you know, we, we're going to complain about the ref by bringing this up, but I think any any fan on both sides would say the the breakdown was a mess. Uh, there was no consistency either way, mm. and that sort of you know, eventually I think the box probably were a bit slow to react to that. The All Blacks mm. were a lot better. Uh, no player sort of rolled away and got out of the mm. way, and yeah, just it became a bit of a free for all there. And I mm. think I think maybe the one concern for the box is that just that they didn't react quick enough to that. Mm. Yeah, you would expect guys with that experience to have reacted to that uh, sooner. We've we've been in that boat before. Um, uh, you know, if you look at previous World Cup exits, for instance, um, there's that famously the quarterfinal mm. <laughs> in 2011. I suppose is yeah. the best example. But there again, yeah, you. Uh, although I suppose in that instance, it was what you actually do. Don't but. mention the war. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those don't mention the war situations. We don't want to talk about Bryce Lawrence now. I think that's, no, don't that, you that's mention the name. Uh, I think I think for this this calls for a drink though, and and it's about time we open the wine. We've got a screw top here again, and today it does have a rugby theme. Uh, we're going to be drinking a Ken Forrester 2018 Renegade. Uh, of course, Ken Forrester is well, a very very well known wines, and what you might not know is that Ken Forrester is on the board of the Sharks. Well, that's good. Um, well, thankfully, it's not a Ken Borland renegade because we had him on the show last week and, yeah, you know the mess he created. But, yeah, this looks a fantastic bottle. I don't think I've had this before, um, mm. but I'm familiar with Ken Forrester wines. Yes. Um, so, here it goes. Cheers. Well, I think the one thing that sort of we all know and everybody in the Southern Hemisphere sort of knows, but uh, maybe people in the Northern Hemisphere become a little bit... Uh, I suppose, uh, blasé about is that, you know, writing the All Blacks off. And I think the one thing this game showed, and, and 
we would always know that is that the All Blacks are definitely going to be affected at the World Cup. Uh, with Joe Schmidt there, they've sort of they've righted a lot of the wrongs that we saw mm. in Nelspruit last year, and they exceptionally have a good pack now that can stand up. They, they, it's not that they've ever had yeah. a bad pack, but, yeah. But yeah, you can't write the All Blacks off ahead of the World Cup. Certainly in the uh, the prop department, I think they've they've certainly upped their game. Uh, and kudos to them last year. I mean, to turn it around from the Umbambela loss to a, a good win at Ellis Park for them last year. They did exceptionally well, I thought. Um, uh, what we also need to point out is that's now set them on a on a path where they're nine games unbeaten, which, you know, going into a World Cup, uh, you know, that obviously... Uh, I don't think the Wallabies will, will roll them over. I doubt that very much. So they, they'll arrive at World Cup with um, the wind in their sails, chests out, uh, something they often do when they arrive at World Cup. So uh, let that be. I mean, it's. <laughs> I think maybe we probably prefer that when there's, there's you know, more, and especially being in France, there's going to be a lot more attention on them mm. as well as being in France's group. So that should be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look, look at the Bok team, um, obviously this is an off week. They've all gone home. Um, there's. They probably regroup sort of towards the weekend anyway and uh, started training for Argentina. Argentina did pretty well. Mm. Uh, but before we get into Argentina, just, just, to, just to ask you, if you were the box coach, what, what changes would you make for Argentina? I think the All Blacks game uh, had thrown a few things up. I mean, we mentioned the Malcolm Mark situation a little bit earlier. I wouldn't look at the the Argentina game at Ellis Park in isolation. In other words, I'd look at it as that game and then the one in in Buenos Aires. So, if you think like an international coach of a you know of a, a top tier country, you would after defeat you would want to right the ship immediately and sort of get the public support. Not saying the public support has vanished. All I'm saying is to get people sort of focused on on a winning brand again. Go out with what you deem to be close to your your best possible 23, 15, and then 23. Um, and then for the game in Buenos Aires, uh, which is not a, a rugby championship game, that's just a, a warm-up game for World Cup, you can maybe tweak a little bit in that game. Um, that's the way I would look at it. Um, in terms of individual selections, if you look at the team that played against the All Blacks, um, the 23 there, there's not. I don't think there's a lot you can change. I think, well, I think whatever start, whoever starts at Ellis Park would have to almost come, almost exclusively from the 23. Well, I actually have a different viewpoint. Um, knowing that what Jock said on Saturday after the game, that they've almost had the entire squad given a run. There are still a couple of players who haven't had a run. Mm. Talking about uh, Jaden Hendrickson should be back with the squad. Uh, Herschel Yankees hasn't had a run. Um, uh, uh, Jean-Luc Dupria hasn't had, had a run. So I see some of them probably you mm. know, getting a run again. I think we might see a Jean Klein, Klein come back into it as well. Mm. Depending on what the outlook is. If they want to start maintaining momentum and, and moving forward now, yeah. or do they? is this still an experiment? I suppose that's the big thing. Yeah, I, and also um, I know they'll, they obviously announced their team quite early in the week. Um, you know, if, if the All Blacks seal the deal against the Wallabies early in the day, then, you know, what are the yeah. box really playing for? Um, so it, it may be that, you know, they will look at it that way, where, you know, uh, game time for players who haven't uh, featured that much, where that becomes paramount. I would still sort of swap it around. I'll still go I'll still go hard for Ellis Park, and then, you know, you can afford to almost take your foot off the gas a little bit in, in, in Buenos Aires. But, um, 
yeah, it, it, one way or the other, it'll be interesting selection. And, and also the, the defeat and the way it happened against the All Blacks uh, in, in Auckland uh, does beg for, you know, a little bit of introspection mm-hmm. and, and sort of uh, they, they need to interrogate, you know, the process that they followed and whether, you know, uh, that was something that they that they feel comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, over to Australia. I mean, Eddie was busy breaking radios in the, uh, in, in the box, giving us a lot of laughter and stuff, and also came up with this wonderful quote uh, yeah, in his press conference about uh, being a car mechanic, which I can't really see Eddie being a car mechanic, to be honest. Yeah, I remember my first car was a Datsun 1200. Yeah, and you'd fix the you'd fix the handbrake, and the next day the windscreen wipers would break. And we're a bit like that at the moment. You know, last week we didn't attack. This week we did attack, but our decision-making around the ball was so, yeah, this is a bit of a process we've got to go through, as painful as it is and as hard as it is, and, and it seems like where we want to be, you know, the team we are today is a long way from the team we want to be tomorrow, but, um, you know, we'll keep working on it and we'll get it right. And there he, he, he sounded a warning that if I was the All Blacks, I'd watch out, and... Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure the All Blacks are going to be quaking in their boots, especially given the Bledisloe record of what? Yeah. How many years is it now that they haven't won it? I think it's more than a decade. It's just, Ooh. yeah, it's just yeah, everything's in the All Blacks' favour, and everybody will expect the All Blacks to win quite handsomely. But mm. knowing Eddie is going to make the week fun next week for us again. Exactly, and 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 the I think the Wallabies will fire some shots in those games. Um, so I won't come, I won't dismiss them completely. But I mean, I, I still don't see the All Blacks tripping up against them. Nah, no, not, not at all. Um, yeah, and I mean, kudos to Argentina. And the one thing that's amazed me during that game, and you've got to give it credit to them, and they, they're a fantastic, passionate people. All the Argentinians we know are really great, passionate mm. rugby supporters. And you look at that that crowd that they had there. I mean, they, they almost were, were louder than the Aussie fans mm. in that stadium. And what a wonderful thing to see. And when they got that <laughs> winning try, I mean, their celebrations were almost like they'd won the rugby championship. Yeah, it, you know, if you if you travel to South America, whether it's for a rugby match in Argentina or a soccer match in Argentina or a soccer mm-hmm. match in Brazil, um, the things you see on in the stands is just extraordinary. I think we, you kind of think we are passionate <coughs> about our sport, but that is just another level. Um, so yeah, so hardly surprising what we saw in terms of the the support they got there. Um, if you look at their performance as well, I think you they've some sort of warmed to tight challenges, uh, if I can put it that way. Um, when when there's a bit of a scrap to be had from the game is tight, they they've the last few years they've shown that they 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 up for it. Uh, in the last what is it now eight years, I think they've beaten the box twice. They've uh, they've beaten New Zealand twice. They've beaten them in Sydney. Uh, they rolled them in Christchurch last year. They've beaten the Wallabies a, a couple of times. In fact, I think in their last ten games against the Wallabies, the Wallabies have only won five, um, mm. and Argentina have now won the last two in a row. Yeah. So they tend to be taken seriously, and I suppose. Um, if you look at uh, you know what Michael Checker's objectives will be for this tournament and then and obviously the World Cup, um, if you if you said to him, okay, you're going to take a, a bit of a bad loss against the All Blacks, but you'll bounce back away against the Wallabies, he probably would have taken. Yeah, and he, you're talking about another character there. We're going to probably find him at near Ellis Park. Um, giving us something to talk about as well. He is that sort of abrasive character. Uh, sort of like Eddie sometimes without the humor. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, is that it, a bit harsh? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh, my, yeah, Michael is quite abrasive. There's no question. I mean, I, I, I sort of like his sort of general demeanor. He's, he's sort of, he's, uh, he's very much sort of a front 
a foot sort of coach. He sort of just wants to sort of get the first punch in kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind that. Um, and, you know, he always makes things interesting. Um, and given what we do for a living, uh, <laughs> I'd rather have that than, you Very know, these, true. these press conferences going for 40 minutes um, and it just doesn't give you anything. The, the one thing I must say, that we, we in our business, we get coaches who, when you started a uh, question, and if you ever listen to press conferences, listen to those things. Uh, where they, you ask them a question that, and they start like way back, like two years ago when they yeah, started their tenure and they take you through the whole process in about five minutes and then eventually get to the question that you asked. Not checker. He, he's, mm. he's straightforward. He's, he's the guy in the bar who wants to shout back at you. Um, mm. And it's good, it's good fun, uh, I must admit. Speaking of which, uh, the Ellis Park test uh, we heard this morning, we just checked, it's not sold out yet. Uh, a lot of the, the cheaper tickets have been sold out. Mm. But there are some Class A and B tickets still available, 850 and I think 1,200 rand. Is it class or category? It could be category. Sorry, yeah, probably category. Class sounds a bit... Um, Classes? Uh, Ignitarian, <laughs> or, uh, I think is the word I'm using. But yeah, uh, yeah, they are available. Please do yourself a favor. And the one thing they keep on saying to everybody, which, yeah, buy them at Ticket Pro, which is the official suppliers, or at the, the stadium office. Please don't go buy them at Viagoga. I think the thing is there's been a lot of sort of uh, piracy and stuff there, and your tickets may not be valid. So if you're going to go, go get them at uh, the Park or on Ticket Pro. And, yeah, there's still a couple, of, and it's going to be a great occasion. The last time the Springboks play in South Africa before the World Cup, uh, it's worth going to watch. Oh, absolutely. I think Argentina will, um, whether it's at, at altitude or at the coast, they're going to give it a, a good old lash. Um, so the box will be, um, will be tested in that game. This is a very nice one, by the way. I haven't actually tucked into it since uh, that initial sip. So, uh, yeah, uh, you're behind you a bit there. You still like the box in the first 20 minutes. I'll catch up, don't worry. <laughs> Um, and there's, of course, another bit of news this week as well, which uh, which I've got a lot to say about, but we probably don't have enough time in that. It was a certain Mr. Johnny Sexton, who got a three-week ban, a three-match ban uh, for telling Jakob Paper he's a effing disgrace. Mm. I'm not sure if we can swear. We could have probably said the whole thing that he said. But... Um, and several other things, and approaching mm. him and, and sort of being intimidating towards the match officials. And... Okay, I mean, the first thing I want to say about that is, yeah, it, it seems like it's a it's a ban tailor made to get Johnny Sexton to the World Cup. That's the first thing. Mm. Second of all, you can't be serious about combating abuse of refereeing uh, referees and refs in, in rugby, and then you go and give it uh, decisions like that. Dylan Hartley got eleven weeks for telling the referees an effing disgrace. Um, Carl Sinclair got two 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 weeks for saying. Are you effing joking to a ref? Mm. Which was obviously not intended as intimidating as, as and Sexton. And what makes it even worse is Johnny Sexton wasn't even part of the match day squad. He was mm. in a suit, and he shouldn't have actually even been on the field at the stage it happened. Yeah, but they've let him get away with it. And yeah, you know, you've got to say, what does that say about rugby's values? Yeah, I think the disgrace in this instance is probably the the ruling. Yeah, um, you bring up. Uh, Rugby's uh, ethics, or whatever you want to call it, its ethos. Um, rugby's always prided itself in that. Uh, if you go to World Rugby, the their charter. If you go to even Ireland's uh, charter, the things that they they hold dear, the pillars that sort of uphold their game, which which they list as respect, integrity, inclusivity, fun, and excellence. Um, under integrity, they they talk about. We aspire to do the right thing and endeavor 
not to be a bystander. Now, I will argue they are very much a bystander, yeah, um, sort of left the decision for other people to be made. In, in fact, I'll probably venture a bit of a guess here and say they, uh, g- given the fact that world rugby is based in Dublin, um, you know, you could have you could make the argument that some of these decisions uh, may well be influenced by them. Yeah, I mean, look, it is an EPCR decision, so it's not a World Rugby decision, mm. but the head of the disciplinary committee is the head of World Rugby's disciplinary committee okay. as well. It's also the same guy who gave R- Russi a nine-month ban for his video, um, which, mm. you know, whichever side of the f- fence you are on that one, you, you know, whether you think it's justified, it's just been quite ironic that the mm. same people defending Sexton are the same people who crucified Russi. Mm. And, you know, you can't really have it both ways. At the end mm. of the day, he was extremely lucky, and... Uh, it's very hard for anybody outside Dublin or outside Ireland who obviously have a bias to have it seen play mm. that you you sort of wonder if this is a travesty of justice and if it's tailor-made to make sure Sexton has his swan song. Uh, yes, I, I think there is, there's little doubt that there is a level of uh, sort of political expediency uh, in all of this. I, I think there's a fair amount of hypocrisy at play uh, yeah. um, and it's, it's not going to serve the game well in the long run. I think I think the one thing we we also got to realize is you know there was a big thing about Ben O'Keefe getting abuse from fans and totally overboard Wayne Barnes after mm. after the France game last year another one and a lot of what you do it sends the message to fans and if a, if a player mm. can stand who's not even part of the game and go tell the referee he's an effing disgrace and get away with a three week ban mm. which it's you got to wonder he's injured. He probably would have played a part in those three games. How big a part is still debatable. Well, if you look at uh, his playing record over the last two seasons, I mean, he's been used sparingly and understandably so. The man is 38. Um, I think he played a total of uh, 500 and odd minutes, maybe 520 uh, over the last year for Ireland. Um, I think the last time he played 10 uh, 10 tests in in a calendar year for them, when I say calendar year, season, um, would have been the 2019-2020 season. Um, so they do use him sparingly. And, you know, I don't know how much action you would have seen anyway uh, in, in these three internationals or mm. warm-up games. But, yeah, he's certainly going to be a talked-about man at World Cup one way or the other. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I think what we'll probably see as well is you'll probably see, just like we know World Rugby works behind the scenes, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get Jakob paper for a game um, Ireland yeah, as the competition goes on. Well, I think they are precluded anyway because that we are in the same Pacific is in the same pool, yeah. so they won't get him well, in the pool stages. But yeah, it will be yeah, deeper into the competition. And yeah, it will be interesting because if if Jakub Paper proves himself to be the best ref at the World Cup and Ireland end up in a semi final or final, even for but uh, it'll be an interesting decision. Yeah, and uh, you know, the other thing, talking to some of the refs, they tell me that uh, yeah, this wasn't the first time this has happened. Mm. And it's actually, what, the other thing that's sort of almost been a farce as well is just how long it took to get the decision. It was yeah. initially as if nobody wanted to take the decision. Then they delivered a letter to Ireland, asked them to reply, and then, yeah, to Leinster, should I say. And, yeah, it just took like an age. I mean, if, if decisions are going to take mm. that long... And then you come up with this sort of thing. You, you sort of give impetus to the to the, the conspiracy theories out there. Mm. Yeah, I don't want to call it conspiracy theories. I think it's people arriving at uh, well well sort of <laughs> <laughs> measured decisions <laughs> or conclusions. <clears throat> yeah, I must admit, uh, Mr. Sexton is a very very lucky man, and mm. uh, 
Yeah, I don't want to say, you know, I know that we often get, you know, say that, that there's a persecution complex among South African rugby fans, but mm-hmm. you've got to look at that, what Russie did, and you've got yeah. to look at some of the other decisions. You look at Dave Renew, who criticised the refs. Uh, mm-hmm. Kieran Crowley, who had a full go at the referee after the test last year, mm-hmm. and nothing happened to them. Yeah. And, and, and you, know, you sort of wonder, is the playing field level? Mm. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm, I'm all for trying to get the best players to play in the biggest tournament um, because that is the that is the stage on which uh, you know they have to perform. Um, but then they need to play ball. They need to hold yeah. up the end of the bargain. And rugby is a game steeped in tradition and and value, um, and and that's something that needs to be upheld. Well, we thought it was going to be an interesting week. I don't think we ever thought it was going to be this interesting. Uh, and uh, there's been so much. We could probably fill three of these episodes with everything that we could have talked about. But for now, we're going to sit back and we're going to enjoy the Ken Forrester wine. And, uh, yeah, please go and uh, have a look. Go and subscribe to this. It'll be on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, I believe, and Amazon and Iona.fm. Have I got them all right? Oh, I, I do. Jeez, I did my homework. Anyway, that's that's enough for episode three. Uh, thanks for listening, and catch us again next week this time. <laughs>